Hello and welcome to Liberty Monks Podcast. I'm your host, Jamie Mundy, and today we are honored to have Steve Hernandez as our guest. Steve is a United States Army veteran who served honorably in both Operation Iraqi Freedom and Operation Enduring Freedom, where he was part of a high-value target team. From there, you spent time as an independent consultant in security and intelligence. You're currently the chairman of the board at TNG Strategies and Investments and the CEO of the North Group Incorporated. He's here today with in-depth knowledge and experience in the areas of risk and crisis management, intelligence services, including complex case investigations, international travel, risk analysis, and preparation. In addition, he has specialized services for high-profile people, businesses, and organizations. Steve, you've even provided resolution to ransom demands and extortion cases. It's great to have you here today. Thanks, Jamie. Great to be here. I appreciate it. Absolutely, man. Um, welcome to Liberty Monks. And first things first, man, I just want to thank you for serving our country. You're a true patriot. It's uh, it's sobering to think about those days in the military, um, especially now when, you know, everything going on here in uh, here in what's what's going on in the country. Right. It's it's uh, makes you look back and think about all the all the places you've been and the guys you served with. And yeah. I got to ask you, just what was it like um, being deployed uh, for war in a foreign country? What was that like for you? It was like it was like drinking an entire weekend and you get to Sunday and you're like, what did I just do at the end of it? Right. Like, I mean, it's it's really it's bizarre. Right. You get to the end of that deployment, you come home. And you've been so acclimated to certain things and, and certain uh, experiences and, you know, death and, and uh, hardship and just pissed off military people. <laughs> <laughs> really? And then you come back to the slow pace of, of America, um, you know, and it's just a different world. I tell you, there's been... There's been no time in my life where I stepped foot back here in the U.S. and felt not home than when I came back from from Iraq. Not um, home? Yeah, it just didn't. It again, you become acclimated to the environment, right? Like it was, and certain things that were acceptable and and cultural norms in combat <laughs> were not cultural norms here in America. When did your tour of duty end? Yeah, so I left the army in um, April seventeenth of twenty eleven. Um, came back, came back to Michigan, um, and then was here very shortly, and then left again on several different trips uh, as a security guy. Yeah, because you started doing some independent consulting at that point, right? Yeah, I, I was super lucky to have some guys that that had gotten out a year a year before me, um, or so year and a half before me that were doing security stuff, and they just said, "Hey man, are you looking? You know, I I heard you're getting out. Are you looking to do anything?" And and it and it led to it led to a few a few good opportunities that put me in some rooms that allowed me to gain some pretty big experience, and then I went to some different you know training on the executive protection side. Um, you know, I went to college after the military, did all that, um, while working. So yeah, I mean, there was, uh, 
there was a run and gun period after the military that I, that I did where I was just all over the place, you know, uh, trying to soak up as much information, um, tried my hand at a training company. The problem was with that is there's not a lot of money in training law enforcement or, or security people. If you don't have a facility, um, to train them at ad hocking to different facilities, wasn't, wasn't profitable. Mm -hmm. Um, now we were just covering cost and, and, you know, instructor, instructor fees and things like that. So I really took a long, hard look at what the industry was lacking and, and where I, where I came to be successful in the, in the security risk management industry was identifying the lack of, you know, intelligence analysis and risk management within the security world. There's a lot of just respond, respond, respond instead of a proactive approach to analysis assessment and, and understanding what your, your risk matrix looks like. At the North Group, you know, we've built several different platforms and systems to help us identify uh, client risk, stakeholder liability. And, and really that's, you know, I, I got to go back to that time in Iraq, right? Because, you know, I, I didn't know, I didn't know what the good Lord had in store for me then but there was definitely a grooming happening, um, a direction being pulled. You know, I, I tried my hand for a minute at law enforcement and for the life of me, couldn't figure out why God wasn't making it all click. It just, it didn't make sense. I didn't even want to do it once I started doing it. You know, I look back now that, you know, he had, he had a plan for me to go down the entrepreneurial road which is a much less traveled road, uh, successfully at least. And, you know, I'm, I'm just super blessed to be where I am today from, from all the experience from the military to, to everything that I've done. Uh, no, I can appreciate that. And that's that. Thank you for that. Um, providing some of that information about your background, super helpful, man. Um, it is a pretty tense situation going on in a big divide in our country and we're all seeing it happen. And, and you, you've uh, shared some things with me about some, some areas that you've uh, had to go to, to help pr protect. And, you know, there's, there's obviously tense and dangerous encounters that, that have unfolded uh, at various places. If people are going to participate and, and you and I mentioned, mentioned this, talk about this briefly when we chatted the other day, but um, if they're going to protest and they're going to do these things, what do they need to start thinking about to ensure they do it safely and securely in the right way? Yeah. Oh man. That's uh, if you want to uh, exert your, your first amendment, right. Your second amendment, right. You know, I, I, I support that. I fought for that. I fought for an oppressed nation to be free. I think there's a, I think there's a balance and I've said this before, you know, if, if we're going to do war, whatever, I I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that. Um, is that the best course of action for this nation? Absolutely not. Uh, in fact, a lot of these people, to include half the people that were at the Capitol, you know, wouldn't be able to handle the remnants of war, the the second and third order effects of a of a conflict, right? I mean, it, it's there's nothing glorious about it. Um, I mean, look at the millions of veterans that have post-traumatic stress disorder from, mm -hmm. from seeing their friends get blown up. I mean, some of us are just a little bit more sociopathic than others. Um, and, and we can, we can shut off that emotion, but that doesn't mean that emotion um, for what we see in here doesn't come creeping in at the, at the 3am, you know, 
time because it because it does. Um, and if it doesn't, then you're not a sociopath. You're a psychopath. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right. And I think that when you look at what 70 million plus Americans want, you look at what allegedly 80 million Americans voted for. Um, I think that, you know, our founding fathers did a very, very smart thing in, in preparing the constitution the way they did, because it does identify courses of action in this situation. I mean, there is no gap in course of action. What there is, is a lack to adhere to um, non-double standard principles by political parties. Non-double standard principles. You know, there's this there's this notion that well, what happened what happened the other day was bad in D.C., but what about when it happened in June? Was it bad? And 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 I think if if you're gonna if you're gonna call it call it on both ends. And that's, that's, you know, that's a double standard. I mean, that's a, we, we have to create, we have to create um, principles that are not, that are not double standards. We, we have to get, we have to get to the root of the issue. And, and I think that if you're going to go out and you're going to support the president of the United States, you're going to support the president elect. If we continue to escalate, to use violence, you know, my thing has always been, there's people that are really good at being violent that have decided to sit on the couch, you know, but there's, there's a handful of them that are saying, coach put me in. And, and that's my point is this course of action is not going to be healthy for a, a successful outcome for anything, our economy, um, our psychiatric welfare, you name it. Yeah, no, and, and I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, um, you know, we, we have now, I think, we've always had um, high levels of concern for national security, which is why we have a, a phenomenal military. And, and I think our military is very strong at this moment in time. But what, what concerns might you have in your expert perspective about national security? Yeah, in, in terms of national security, I, I think it's what is our enemies doing right now? to take advantage of the situation wherever there is a coup. And this is, this is a rule for geopolitical affairs, mm -hmm. wherever there is a coup, there is going to be foreign influence. There are people in foreign intelligence operations and in organizations. All they're doing is looking for what's called an angle, an angle, an angle. How do they, how do they work their way in? So right now, Let's just talk about a very, a very simple issue that occurred the other day in D.C. There is a laptop, a secure device that is missing. There's a secure device missing from the Capitol building? Yes. There is a, there is a laptop with national security. Someone who I believe sits on the National Security Council. It was their laptop taken from an office, unlogged out. From an individual office inside the Capitol, not yep. not the main room, but but someone's individual office. Yeah, so several protesters made it into individual offices um, within the Capitol building, and there is a there is a secure device. By secure, I mean that's a that's a DoD term, right? Mm -hmm. There is a secure device that was taken 
from an office. Aren't, aren't, aren't there security measures within those places that, in the capital specifically, that prevent things from like that to occur? Or did someone just swing and miss here? I mean, I, I you know, first off, I got to say, God bless, you know, the Capitol Police, the Secret Service, the FBI, everybody that's trying to mm-hmm. make sense of this. Um, you know, there's there's been there's been some claims and again, I can't substantiate this, but there's been a claim that there needed to be a congressional act uh, approved to put either national guard or other, other people on Capitol property. And that approval didn't happen. There's been other, there's been various claims on why the breakdown in security occurred, but you know, as far as contingent rings of security go, there was a complete breakdown in securing that building. Um, I think that, you know, you're seeing the repercussions of that with the chief and, and the sergeant at arms, you know, resigning, mm-hmm. but you know, the, this, this, uh, this young girl that got or this, you know, 30, 35 year old that got shot. She, you know, I mean, she essentially, um, right, wrong or indifferent, her being shot was part of a group that had breached an area where there was secure and classified information where there was members of, of the house and the Senate. And, you know, I, I, I compare it to, you know, the story of the two Marines that were guarding, guarding a, a a checkpoint, a gate in 2005 Mm -hmm. and a truck came barreling towards their position. Both Marines stood their ground and unloaded their weapons into that cab of that truck. The truck detonated, but it didn't make it through the gate and it saved a hundred, 150 plus other Marines that were in that facility that day. And, you know, this could have gone either way. Um, I think the biggest breakdown in the Capitol was the communication. The, uh, the female that was shot had a SWAT team standing right behind her. So was she an immediate threat? And there's videos of this circulating all over the internet. Yeah, I've um, seen them. At first I heard, you know, that, that they were armed. And I, and I, when I watched, I had our global security operations center, pull the video up, you know, run still and high resolute frames and everything and take a look at it. And, and you can see, I mean, there is clearly identified police officers behind this girl that's attempting to jump over that thing. The, the plane closed officer projects from a doorway with their pistol fires one round into the upper, I believe it was the upper left side of the girl, left side of the girl's chest. So when, when you think about that, what was the breakdown? Why, what, why didn't, why didn't the police officers on the other side of that barricade know that there were police officers on the protester side? I don't, again, I don't know the protocols here, but it seems like this could have been prevented just simply by having officers communicate. Yeah, I, I think there was a big communication breakdown. And the number one thing in an operation like this is communication. Um, how do we communicate? You know, that's why we're the greatest fighting force in the nation when it, it militarily, because we train and train to communicate silently, quickly, and effectively um, during combat operations. You know, we aren't over the radio going, hey, I'm clear. I'm in room 14 in building number three. You know what I mean? I mean, it's, right. it's I can put my hand up. I, I can I can tap my mic. I can I can do different hand and arm signals. Right. 
you know, you don't see any of that when you watch these videos. You see, you see a chaotic and scared, rightfully so. I mean, we all get scared. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. But you see a, a, a very unled agency at the Capitol that day. Um, you know, these officers were looking for direction and and they didn't get it. And I really, I really, you know, I leave that to the, to the, to the command staff and above, you know, you, you got to get out there and lead your troops. You got to get out there. And at the same time, you know, it's maybe a blessing that there wasn't a little bit more aggressive approach because there might've been more people shot. Um, I, I don't know, but what I do know is if we're going to show up to secure facilities, I understand the claim that this is the people's building, but when you have agitators, whether they're, whether they're pro Trump or not, and there's a big debate about that right now, sure. You have a threat matrix that starts to develop there. And, you know, we, we treat threats in America um, through escalation of force continuum. And I think officers were very restrained with further escalation based off protester escalation that did occur. Um, there's some videos where you see people with sharpened objects, fire extinguishers, um, baseball bats, billy clubs, things like that. And I'll be honest with you. Um, I probably wouldn't fare well in that situation because I'd spend, I'd spend more time on my trigger than not. I mean, if you, you know, but that's a mentality that, that I was raised in. If you're going to, if you're going to threaten my life or attempt to threaten my life, I'm going to, I'm going to treat you with, with, you know, some lethal love in return. Well, and you guys, um, you know, uh, based on all the stories that I've heard, you don't have much time to think. And, and, and when you're in those moments, you guys have to be on your feet, thinking clearly, and you have to make critical decisions and split nanoseconds. You have certain people that will, will talk a lot and they'll puff their chest out, whatever, but you have certain people that when there's a threat, they just neutralize the threat and it's something you just do. Right. Yeah. So, so, you know, escalation of force continuum goes something like this. If, if you, if you punch me, I'm going to take you to the ground. If you pull a knife, I'm going to pull a gun. If you pull a gun, I'm going to pull a gun. May the best man win. In the words of Doc Holliday, say when. <laughs> yep. But but at the end of the day, you know, as 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 protectors, right? Our job is to make sure we don't ever have to pull a gun. If if I have to pull my gun in my work, I failed at my job. You know, I I was uh, I was towing I was towing my side by side in my truck yesterday, and two two guys walked up to me. Uh, I was in tractor supplies parking lot and they both kind of converged on me at the same time. And uh, they were just talking about, you know, my side by side and it was cool, this and that, whatever. Right. But I mean, in that moment, I'm positioning myself away from the patron parking lot so that if these dudes are trying to, to, to rob me, I've got clear backdrop and shot placement where I can, I can drop both of them right when I draw my pistol, right? I live my life in that mentality because of what I do for a living. Um, I don't go to a restaurant and, and pick a seat where I can't take a clean shot, you know, for, for an active shooter, right? I mean, I live my life with that mindset. I walk into a bank, I talk to the teller in a way, in a, in a, corner, in a corner, you know, um, window to where I can see the door and take a clean shot. 
I mean, I, it's a, it's, you know, some people call it paranoia, but you know, when you've been around the world doing the stuff that we're doing, it's not about, it's about survival. It's about having a mentality. It's about, if you're going to live this life, make it a lifestyle. Um, I think there were a lot of people there in DC on the protester side that are this way. I also think there was a lot of restraint because that wasn't that bad compared to the stuff I've, I've, I've lived through within, you know, Ferguson and some other places, you know, that wasn't that bad. That could have been a lot worse. It was bad because the media spent a lot of time on it. Um, and, and it needed to be bad. Uh, I don't think that the Trump supporters, the members of Antifa and other protester organizations that were there to agitate the situation. I don't think that, they did Trump any favors and maybe that was the goal. You know, I, I think that, I think that president Trump is, is really been put into a bad light because he was doing what any politician would do um, with the notion that there was a stolen election from him. Right. He's, he's railing, he's railing his supporters. He's railing his troops. Was that wrong? You know, I, I think we always have to analyze second and third order effects of our actions. I think that DC could have been a lot worse. No, and that makes a lot of sense. Um, You know, you mentioned something, you know, the, the, there's all sorts of violence that has happened this year uh, for obvious reasons. And a lot of the spearheaded by the pandemic and people being so out of sorts with these lockdowns and everything. You know, you mentioned the media and, and, and anybody who's paying attention right now knows that there is some serious censorship going on and the media is taking certain elements and calling it peaceful, certain elements calling it violent. And it doesn't seem to have a lot of consistency there. I guess, what advice do you have for the safety and security of families like mine and, and other, other people out there? First piece of advice is take a deep breath. I'm good at that. <laughs> I do those a lot. <laughs> the, the, the sun, the sun will come up again. Um, there are a lot of people worried about our democracy and, and rightfully so, you know, I'm not going to get on a political soapbox here, but mm-hmm. as a following man, a Christ, I've, I've got to just put my faith in God that God's got a plan. You know, I can speak from experience here. If that threat shows up on my doorstep, we'll, we'll do what we got to do. But mm-hmm. I can tell you that preparing your mindset training, training just even just a little bit, having a plan with your family. If an EMP were to hit the U S how are, how are you going to get your, your wife or kids or teenagers home? Um, how are you going to know where they are? Um, you know, my wife and I use uh, life 360, you know, it's not a keep track of each other. It's a, if something happens point of origin, you know, and, and when I go to work or I'm doing some sensitive type work, I just, I put my, uh, my normal phone in a Faraday bag. So it can't, so it doesn't work. And I, and I use my, my, uh, throwaway phone for, for work. So, I mean, like when I went to the UAE, I, I didn't bring any of my work stuff. I, I brought all scrubbed, you know, computers when I, when I went to Africa, same thing. So, you know, I, I plan if you're traveling, traveling is about egress. Um, several people that, that either we protected or were inquiring about us protecting during D, the DC rally here the other day, mm-hmm. um, 
and protest, you know, they, they called, I had several people call and go, Steve, how do I, how do I go if things get out of hand and be there and be safe? Well, the first thing is, is, is a plan. You plan, you collect and you plan. Okay. Where are you going? How are you going to get there? What are you doing? I had people say, well, Hey, can I bring a gun with me? I said, you can't carry a gun unless you're retired law enforcement or current law enforcement in the district, or you have a concealed pistol license, um, which only like 47 people, 4,700 people have in the district. You know, so the first thing is, and we'll just use the protest as an example, right? You know, you're going to go, you're going to go with your, your, your friend or your wife or whatever. It's how do you get out is the number one thing, right? As a, as a, as an executive protection specialist, security specialist, right? My job is to get a principal out. I focus more on that than I do, you know, cool guy, hand-to-hand skills, weapon skills. Um, 90% of the work I've done that's true executive protection was unarmed. Um, it's, it's more about using your brain than it is, than it is anything. You know, the, the problem you have, though, is you have to be able to slow your mind down and analyze slow your mind down and analyze slow your mind down and analyze we so the number one thing that's worked well for me from the military to today is it's called boyd's loop um or the oodle loop so colonel boyd was a was a pilot during world war ii and, and and he came up with this boyd's loop and it was it's observe orient decide act boyd's loop so the first thing I'm going to do if I'm engaged, if I'm engaged in a threatening situation is I'm going to observe, okay, what is going on? I'm going to collect all that, all that data. And I'm going to let, I'm going to let all of the, all of the information that's going on in my head process, which can happen in a millisecond can happen in five seconds, depending on who you are. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to observe, I'm going to orient, right. I'm going to orient my attention towards the issue Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to make a decision. We used to say decision for Christ, <laughs> you know, um, oh. because it actually meant we were running into running into some to some hairy situations, you know, and you you consciously make peace with 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 going at that point. Uh, if it happens, it happens. And then you act. But again, observe, orient, decide, act. You know, it's like it's like a weapons malfunction right on a on a on a rifle. You know, how do you clear a weapons malfunction? I'm I'm, you know, sports you know, slap, pull, observe, release, tap, squeeze. Right. I, it's, it's the same concept of conditioning your mind though. But if the first time you think about it is during, you know, a threatening, you know, life-threatening incident, Mm -hmm. you're probably going to be a little slower on the catch. So, so again, you're going, you're going to a protest, you know, you're going to a protest. What's your plan? Okay. You know that if something happens now you need to follow Boyd's loop, observe, orient, decide, act egress is everything. You know, I, I'm not going to teach somebody how to be a paid protester. Um, I can tell you for a fact though, that there are people out there that are really, really, really good at disrupting the masses. There are people that get paid by governments to do what you saw yesterday. In fact, we've done it as the U S all over the world. We've created coups and, and, and coup d'etats and, and unrest and, and, countries, you know, maybe like Venezuela and other places. So sure. it's, um, it's called, it's called war by proxy, right? So when you start to see a crowd escalate the way that crowd escalated, 
you know, you, you have the crowd mentality starting to ensue. It's, it's smart to know your exit strategy. And then at that point, you know, what's your fallback plan once you egress? There are people that are being hunted by the FBI right now. Hunted by the FBI. If your picture was caught in a frame, you are being hunted by the FBI right now. So uh, caught in a frame in, in what capacity? You're talking about what happened in the Capitol? Yep. Yep. There are, wow. people, there are people that went into offices. There are people that wrote in offices. There's a, I told you, there's a national security, um, you know, threat with this, this laptop that's missing. Right. So think about that. Think about the escalation there. Right. So now everybody becomes this because one person wanted to steal a laptop or one foreign government saw the advantage to go in and steal a laptop or, or they said, Hey, I'll, I'll, you know, they put it out on the dark web. We'll pay somebody, you know, $500,000 to get this laptop, you know, cause one person's actions, you know, thousands are going to be investigated. Man, I tell you what, this is, um, uh, absolutely incredible just information that you're sharing uh, about your knowledge about what happened and everything. And I think there's a lot of people that are obviously wondering like what in the heck happened? What concerns do you have for 2021? And, and also maybe in the next five years, as you see this unfolding. So globally, Iran is a concern. Um, IRGC is going to work for uh, Iranian revolutionary guards going to work for nuclear proliferation. Um, they're going to try to get to U-235, you know, um, and, sp and spin and, and build uranium. Takes seven years to spin U-235. So we're, we're got to be concerned about that. Enrich, enriching, you know, proliferation in Iran is a dangerous to the West. It's a danger. It's a danger. It's a danger to Israel. Um, it's a danger to the entire United Nations. Uh, that's, that's a big thing on my radar. Not so worried about Russia, China, obviously number one threat, globally number one threat, China, my opinion. Um, I'll, I'll take that to my grave. I think that'll be the number one threat to geopolitical affairs to the end of our lives. China, China really wants what they want. <laughs> uh, and they're, they're going to spend at nothing to get it. You know, I would also say you're going to see terrorism pop back on the radar with this next administration, just the way the cookie crumbles. You know, foreign policy drives terrorist activity. So I think Trump, Trump had a, you know, the one, the one thing I, I struggled with Trump was his foreign policy when it come to dealing with other nations, but his ability to tell you if you were a bad guy and, and messing with America abroad, we, we were going to, we were going to put warheads on foreheads. Um, he did a really good job at that. I think the other thing globally we have to fare with is this is this virus, this virus. And I know we haven't talked much about this, but this virus is it is real, I think. But it's it's weaponized. In my opinion, it was weaponized from the onset. There's no way that the flu doesn't exist this year. Um, I don't think it's just weaponized from the viral standpoint. I think it's also weaponized from an information standpoint. I, I think that, again, and, and we could. We could do a whole nother segment on, on the actors behind that. Our, our greatest threats are division. Um, we, are, we are divided 70 million against 80 million, allegedly. Um, you know, that, that 10 million gap, um, I could tell you that the 7 million is a little bit harder of a, of a crowd. 
and that 80 million is a little softer of a crowd. So, so as we continue to see, you know, the, the other thing is, is information warfare. Mm-hmm. Um, that is the single greatest threat to America today um, is the, the age of information traveling so fast without validation. It's the single greatest threat. It's going to have second and third order effects that are very dangerous for life and safety in America. Um, one of those is going to be the, uh, you know, the, the glory shooters, the glory, violent actors, right. The people that go out and, and then that spawns further conspiracies and this and all that. It's the information age where we're able to influence action so quickly without validation, single greatest threat in America today. I would also say, you know, the economy is, is, is a very big concern. Um, I think that you have a lot of people right now and I don't, we don't even, we can't even quantify this today, but you will in six, six months, 12 months, the folks that went under in the restaurant industry, the hospitality industry, the entertainment industry, you know, and, and again, COVID COVID is Mm -hmm. just a major, a major threat. Um, and I think when we bring all those in, it all comes back to information, right? How are we receiving and perceiving information? America's leaders have a job to do in validating and, and get out of this fear mongering mindset, open the country back up. Um, if, if you, if you are high risk, stay home, but open the country back up, open it up in its entirety to include kids in school, to include restaurants, to include, everything get it back open so that way we can have some seminence that i you know people have been telling me joe you know joe biden the president-elect is not going to open the country back up and i'm arguing that he doesn't have a choice if he wants to have any type of uniting this country he needs to open the country back up in its entirety because these these democratic leaders in these states you know they will listen to him that's that's my that's my take on the security side of america you know i i think I think now's the time to be educated, own a gun, um, prepare your family, by by gosh, talk to your kids. We, we as stewards of the next generation need to be speaking to our kids about what's going on and not let them and not let them form ideologies or conspiratorial um, mindsets on the situation. They are the future. They are the next senators, the congressmen, the the political leaders, the corporate leaders, the, the police officers, the you know, so on and so on, right? So we need to invest in that if we want to see succession. Now the North the North Group, um, you know, uh, you guys are capable of so much. Uh, when you go on the website and you have conversations with you, you guys have so many different areas that you can reach and touch and help in in the facet of security and many other things. Just tell us a little bit more about what you guys are capable of doing at your organization. So there's a number of things that we do, but just to kind of cover top level, we have a protective services division, an intelligence division, a risk management division, and a special projects division. A lot of what we do is we focus on client risk. I mean, there is a portion of our company that is there's a conveyor belt for staffing security. Um, but there's another part of the company that is truly just focused on identifying geopolitical corporate security, 
corporate espionage, um, uh, really managing that 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 stakeholder liability, that individual, you know, client liability. Whether it's an office or it's a corporation, it doesn't. You know, when I identify risk, I'm looking to build um, a risk matrix, which is basically I can I can draw a line on a board and I can and you know, um, vertically and horizontally and, and start to connect where does, where does your threat meet your vulnerabilities? You know, what countermeasures do you have in place and really get to an impact analysis of how your business can be financially impacted, you know, either from an insurance aspect or just a loss ratio aspect, right? Where, where can you lose? And that's, you know, I, I didn't realize this when I started in the industry, right? I was very focused on the guy with the gun. You know, um, I, I can save you. I, I can I can kill the bad guy. You know, that's because that's what I knew coming out of the military. When I realized that there was a risk management, there was a whole galaxy of risk management needs. I quickly adapted, shifted my mindset to get away from being the shooter operator mentality and going to a a very focused intelligence analysis risk management mindset because not only is that's where the that's where the the margins are in the market but it's also where you see more relief you know when a client calls you at 2 a.m and says steve i've got i've got a nuclear situation happening i need help and i don't get those every day right i mean but i i I get several of them a year and those are what the North group was created for, right? Is that crisis management crisis response. We bring kind of what we call MDMP military decision-making process to the board and we help identify risk and it doesn't matter what risk it is. Right. Um, And then we manage the service provider, whether that service provider is our team or it's a cyber team that we're using externally or it could even be um, could even be working with a legal team. I mean, we we come into situations all the time where you know M and A deals gone wrong, uh, due diligence wasn't done right, and and the legal team just completely screwed it up. And how are we going to fix this? How do we reduce stakeholder liability? You know, my principal's the the chief investor in the situation. Yada yada yada. I need to limit the impact to his portfolio. That's fascinating stuff, man. That's an area that I'm genuinely excited really to learn more about. And I know that you're the guy because um, I remember you and I, you and I met uh, a few years back at a cigar night we hosted. And I remember having this great conversation with you about one of your areas of expertise, which is obviously security and protection, but it's for high profile people and families too. And uh, even kidnapping cases. And I, I just found that conversation so fascinating because you hear about a lot of that stuff in movies and in television. And, you know, I know it happens in real life, but to, to see somebody that actually has that experience and has seen this stuff firsthand to me is fascinating. What made you get into that world? What was the driving force that really steered you? You mentioned that kind of God didn't really give you what uh, you were looking for on a path in law enforcement, but he did here. What made you decide to get into this world the way that you did? Yeah. You know, when I was getting out of the military, I knew I was going to go into the security market. Um, but I didn't, you know, just like anything else, you don't know what you don't know. I was young, dumb, 
you know, I mean, for a long time, I was chasing, you know, this, this law enforcement career, but I've never been more at peace with, you know, and, and thankful that that didn't go through uh, right. than I today because, you know, I wouldn't have the success. My family wouldn't be where we are. Uh, I wouldn't have, you know, a, a, you know, a multimillion dollar growing company, you know, and here's the thing I, you know, when, when you, when you eventually realize that you're good at something um, and I'm not going to tell you I'm good at much, but I'm, I'm a damn good risk manager. And, and, and I think it's a God given gift, right? I mean, I can look at a problem and we can quickly start to come up with solutions that's at least going to control the hemorrhaging. You know, I mean, I got into this on accident, really. When I got out of the military, it was a call from a buddy saying, hey, can you go to Mexico? No kidding. I was like, for what? <laughs> He's like, well, we got we got a situation down there, yada, yada, yada. Yeah, and the next thing you know, I'm working. I was working in another state. I won't mention, but I was working unlicensed. Sure. I didn't have a security license. <laughs> and so this this guy that didn't, that didn't, like the smart young, you know, risk manager turned me into the state and, and they were like, you know, you, you can't work here on license, yada, yada, yada. So I was like, okay, well, I'll just go back to Michigan. But I mean, you know, some of those clients have followed me over the years and, and it's so, it's so heartwarming to see the success of other people for me. Um, and that was a big decision point to move in this industry because, you know, it was hard to find a stable job as a veteran coming out of the military. There were opportunities and I made, I made a lot of money in some of those opportunities, but to find, you know, in my mind, it wasn't about, I didn't have the entrepreneur mind for the first two years out of the military. Right. So from 2011 to 2013, I wasn't really thinking like an entrepreneur. Um, I hit some walls in 2013 that made me wake up and realize that, I needed to shift my mindset. And once I did that, floodgates of success opened, right? It, it was it was almost like the next day. And that's the other thing about me. You know, I, I'm, I'm really focused on where am I failing and I want to fix that. And it isn't because I want, I want self-gratification. It's because I just want to be successful. You know, I want to stack as much as I can for my kids and and leave them something and and my wife and i will argue about this but you know i care less if my kids ever work a day in their life you know that's true that's true success for me right that's now i i feel that way today till they're 18 but um you know i mean this this business was was both uh an accident but i think it was an accident on my part but it was it was purposeful on god's part I can appreciate that, brother. I can appreciate that for sure. That's a, that's a great statement. Um, if someone has a family member kidnapped and it was like a ransom, do people call you? Is that, is that how this works? That you're, you're one of the guys that can help with a situation like that? So we, we have a couple, we have a couple high net worth families that, that, you know, we've, we've worked with on that level. And, but really what happens is, you know, folks get the call from their policy holder for their K&R policy. And, and they would call like a Lloyd's of London, right? Yep. And, and whoever holds that policy, and then they would bring in 
you know, typically like a control risk group or, or a group like ours. And then basically there would be, I mean, a lot of these kidnappings are not kidnappings, you know, initial thought, you know, um, there's been some embarrassing situations where someone just stayed out a little too late, had a little bit too much to drink, (laughs) ended up somewhere they probably shouldn't have. Um, yeah, there's been several situations. Um, there was a situation I was, I was briefly involved in years back where, um, some folks went out on a, on a, on a yacht and, you know, it just had been the yacht capsized, but, you know, for a while they thought it was a, it was a kidnapping and it, and it wasn't, it was just, it was an accident. Those are all very, very wise things, my friend. Um, I know today's your birthday. Uh, I appreciate you. Uh, happy birthday, by the way. And I appreciate you, you, you coming on today and talking to me on, on that day. And, um, and I know you have some things planned today, but I, I, was, I was hoping to ask you one more thing here. And um, when, when should people consider hiring your organization? If, if you have risk in your business, if you're uh, you know, an, an affluent client, a quiet client, you know, if you keep to yourself, whatever the case is, it never hurts to have a conversation about risk. Um, if you're growing your business and you don't and, and you, you have a footprint that might incur some risk, I mean, pick up the phone and call us. We, we don't, we don't charge people for consultation. Um, you know, a lot of people are like, oh my gosh, you are probably really expensive. I mean, we're, we're competitively, you know, um, priced, but, but, but we're also, we're passionate about making sure people are safe. So, you know, and, and we've all been willing to lay down our life to make sure people are safe. So if you call and say, Steve, I've got a problem. What do you think? I'm going to tell you, Hey, I, I think, you know, you need to do this or you need to go, you need to hire a provider, whether that's us or somebody else. I think it's all individual. And that's the beauty of risk DNA. I didn't get too much into this, but Mm -hmm. every thumbprint, every handprint, every fingerprint is different. That's the same with risk in the corporate and the private high net worth world, right? Is everybody has different risk. We are willing to, you know, consult and help people understand what that risk is for nothing. Um, you know, I mean, the clock doesn't start running until we provide a solution. You know, our, our company and my partners uh, on the financial side have sat down with you to, to talk about some of this stuff. And it's always been extremely impressive. And I, and I can't, two things, man. One is um, I'd love to have you back on because I think uh, we could talk a lot more in depth about this stuff. And I'm just so overwhelmingly impressed with what you know, how you know it, how you apply it, just even going through you know, the process of decision-making and having some principles that you lean on that you don't violate. And I think, I think a lot of times what I'm seeing out there right now is people, they may have good principles and values and they seem to be violating a lot of those if they do. And, and I think you spoke very, very powerfully to, to some of those procedures that you follow and some of those principles you follow. So I'd love to have you back on if you're open to it and have another great conversation with you here at some point in the near future. Um, and it was just great catching up with you today. I, I feel a lot better knowing that there's people like you out there that have this vast understanding that can help guide the rest of us and in, into what we need to do if, if we have situations that occur in our lives where we, we could use a little guidance and help in these veins. So um, I just want to thank you for being on the program today. I appreciate it. I'm, I'm always open to do this with you. Um, awesome, man. Love, love you and your team. Um, if, if I had to go anywhere for advice, you guys would be it. Um, you know, I, I'm, 
I'm always open to, uh, to help. And again, for any listeners, I mean, if, you know, if you want to get a hold of me, get a hold of Jamie. I mean, um, you know, I mean, we're, we're always open to discuss. Couldn't said it better myself, brother. Thank you for being on Liberty Monks. Um, I want to give a special thanks to our listeners as well uh, for taking the time out to, to listen to, to Steve's powerful and insightful messages today. And again, I can't thank you enough. This was an awesome conversation. I wish we could talk all day, honestly, because I don't think I would, I don't think I would run out of questions, man. So I appreciate you. Um, I want, you know, take care of you and your family. I know you're, 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 you're up in your uh, Northern place, having a great time this weekend. I just want you to have an awesome birthday and a great time. And um, to everybody, just take care and God bless you and God bless America. Talk soon.